And welcome back to a great new edition of The Currency of Truth. We're your hosts, Randall Martin, myself, and Bill Hughes. Bill, how are you? Doing good, my brother. Doing good. We got an exciting day today. We're um, talking about stable coins and the U.S. dollar. I know. It's exciting. And, you know, at the same time, there's such perilous things that are going on that it is really a uh, maybe a moment of truth for the dollar. And uh, let's explore what people need to sort of look at to determine where their cash position or U.S. dollar position should be. So catch us up on what's been happening this week. So what's been happening is there's a flurry of uh, crypto and stablecoin bills that have been going through Congress. And it actually um, sort of came to a head today with um, the Democrats walking out on the negotiations um, for the stablecoin bill, which I find a little bit troubling, to be honest. Well, we got a couple of clips that address that. And, and you're right, because some of the pressures that the U.S. dollar is facing, and we got into that last week, it really creates a climate of uncertainty around the dollar in which there are all sorts of pressures from without and from within uh, the United States. And something is happening this week coming up that is critical. We talked a little bit about it last week, but it's actually going to happen, uh, I think, believe this Tuesday. Uh, tell our audience what's, yeah. what's, what's happening and how important that is. Yeah, so um, on Tuesday, you're going to have the, the BRICS coalition which is an acronym for Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, they're having their yearly conference in South Africa. Um, and the ex they're expected to announce the news of either the creation of a BRICS currency or the steps to create a BRICS currency and to have other nations join um, in that creation. Uh, and one of the nations that is rumored to, to have filed an application to join is Saudi Arabia. And, and if that is indeed the case, it will be very troubling for the U.S. So now to switch to, to uh, get people up to speed, this BRICS is an alternate to sort of the SWIFT code and those transactions that were happening that were the underpinning of many international currencies, uh, currency transactions, which were really based on the dollar. Catch people up who are not familiar with what BRICS is and kind of what it represents. Sure. So the 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 messaging system standard standard system around the world was SWIFT. Um, and SWIFT, you know, when you're sending cash around the world, it also has a message attached to it. Uh, but the U.S. being the reserve currency. Uh, you know, is able to sanction and, and really control interest rates and things around the world. So really, Russia and China are the ones that pushed BRICS now that are really seriously pushing BRICS uh, and mainly in part because of the sanctions that that happened to Russia. No, and so no, no, go so, ahead, go ahead. so, so the, the point is um, they decided to develop a new platform that is sort of like swift but but operates outside the parameters of swift so it is not no longer under u.s control right and and, and in that context it will not only have a lot of nations that are maybe hostile or not 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 happy with the united states in terms of our currency policies or military policies it's going to have them looking as an alternative but also there are many nations that I think have felt, you know, through the forces of colonialism and just the sort of 
ability of the U.S. to have an outsized role in determines, determining through, poli, through policy their, their de, well, determining foreign policy as a result of, of currency dominance, that would go away. Well, here's, here's the thing, Randall. Uh, around the world, when you're dealing with currency, currency is supposed to be a means to, to barter, period. It isn't supposed to be a means to, to, to levy war or to control other nations. And unfortunately, many, many of the nations around the world believe that's exactly what the U.S. did with the U.S. dollar. And it all came to a head with the sanctions. I mean, this isn't the first time the U.S. has lobbied sanctions, but um, other nations started seeing alternative ways to get off the dollar. And it really th- those alternatives are coming, you know, coming around because of blockchain and digital currencies. It is making it really easy. Well, not easy, but it's making it much more, um, much easier for nations to get off the U.S. dollar um, if, if you do it digitally. Well, now let's listen to, to, to sort of clarify the, the position of the dollar right now and what others are saying in the marketplace about the dollar and about what stablecoin uh, is. I'm going to play a clip uh, that kind of talks and speaks to that, and then we'll discuss it uh, as soon as the clip's over. Here we go. Earlier this month, the House Financial Services Committee announcing legislation to establish a regulatory framework for payment uh, using stablecoins. In his latest op-ed, former controller of the currency, Brian Brooks, outlining his support for the legislation, saying stablecoins are at the heart of a dollar-based revolution. Joining us right now, Brian Brooks is Valor Capital Group partner. He's also the former Binance U.S. CEO. Uh, Brian, it's great to have you. It's a fascinating op-ed, and this whole issue uh, is a fascinating one. But in terms of just where we are right now, in terms of the regulatory landscape, but where do you think the mindset is in Washington around regulating and or effectively blessing these types of coins, where do you think we really are? Yeah, uh, Andrew, I think it's a great question. And this is really, really important with PayPal's big announcement this week. But I think the administration's made pretty clear they're opposed to stable coins penetrating the economy. And it's not totally clear how. When I say they're opposed, I, I, I say that because, you know, former chair, chairwoman Maxine Waters, who led her Democratic colleagues essentially in a walkout of the stablecoin bill after having spent a year helping the chairman of the committee craft that bill, purportedly because the White House had threatened to veto it. So it's not clear why it's so important to the administration to keep stablecoins out of the discussion, but I think that's their policy. And so what do you think has to change or what what do you hope to change if in fact there will be a change? It sounds like this this is what I just don't, I mean, I I don't know, I I see the debate happening, but I I don't know if there's gonna be any real movement given the mindset that you just described. Well, and Andrew, I come back to your last segment where there was a debate about demand side versus supply side pressures out there. And the point of the op-ed uh, in the Wall Street Journal yesterday was to talk about the fact that there's really strong demand for stable coins coming from certain sectors in the world versus the supply side. So think about it. Money's created by government credit operations, created by central banks around the world, including our Federal Reserve. But the demand for money comes from economic activity from people. It's people who are earning money through work, earning money through lending and doing other kinds of things. And where do they want to keep their money? In the op-ed, we talk about how citizens in countries that have high inflation are really strongly demanding dollar-denominated products to keep their money safer after they've earned the money through work. And in many countries where you can't get a dollar bank account, stablecoins are your best solution. Now, that clip jumps ahead and talks about a stablecoin 
as a not an alternative, but a way to help the dollar to be more stable, actually, in a way within the world, because we, we, they would you'd still be it was wouldn't be tied to the dollar, and we still would the, the we'd still be the reserve currency, but it would it maybe would help the dollar along and not fluctuate and be a hedge against hyperinflation. So let me add a little context to this. So so there's a project being done in, in the U.S. called the Digital Dollar Project, which is being led by Chris Giancarlo, uh-huh. who used to be the, the current CFTC, which is the um, the Communities Futures Trading Commissioner. Um, and, and he was ha- leading the discussion on whether the U.S. should move towards a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, or a stable coin. Um, both of which are programmable. So let me let me leave that there because we're gonna have to come back to that. Um, but the a, a, a stable coin is is really hedged or backed by some form something like gold, um, treasuries. It has to be hedged one for one so that it maintains its value. And so what USDC was doing is backing their it's a digital version of the u.s dollars so they're backing their coin with u.s dollars right now right and so uh again it's another reason as as the article and that was the uh um for the squawk box um great program that we were able to get a clip from and really illustrates kind of what's going on in the marketplace but in this specific case, stablecoin and, and this discussion is really built around ways to make sure that the dollar stays relevant uh, in a world that is looking for alternatives, correct? Yes. So, you know, one of the, the big things about money, and you don't hear this term too much, but, but it's really important, is the velocity of money. Right. You want money to be in the hands of people and, and and governments really actually want people to spend money. They call it the velocity of money. It keeps the money in circulation, moving around so that that businesses and, and economies work. Um, it, the more hands you get it in, the faster it moves, the more velocity you create, the larger the economies. That That's what they're trying to do. And, they're, and what, and what the, um, the commentator in this, um, Brian Brooks, was saying is, um, you have some nations right now that they consider unbanked nations. That's what they call them, unbanked populations. Mm-hmm. If you're able to get them into the economy by offering a form of digital currency, which you can have on your phone, you will bring these people into the banking system, which will, i.e., add more people to the financial system, get money in their hands, have them spend the money faster, creating larger economies. That's what that's what he was alluding to. And we you know, one of the things that you talk about and we talk about at, at length is because of what's happening on the world stage with many nations looking for alternatives and looking also to, to be digital ready um, in terms of their currency. They are making these moves and forming these alliances that are not built around the dollar and that could have a negative effect on the dollar and the desirability of it as a reserve currency or or a place to park your money, especially if you think that uh, the policies are adverse to you or if you think, as what happened uh, with the the lag 
to pass the debt ceiling if you perceive that there's some instabilities in America or in the U.S. or in America, which would translate into uh, some instabilities in the U.S. dollar, that you're looking for, countries are always looking for the safest place to park their their, their money. They, they are, but Randall, let's keep it real, right? There's a lot of discussion around the country, around, around the, the world, um, about getting off of the U.S. dollar because the U.S. has been the bully with its dollar, mm-hmm. right? And, and the U.S. has always, you know, since since has gained the control of the reserve currency, has, you know, we're the greatest, we're it, you know, we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And a lot of these countries are envious. You know, they want, especially China, China wants the, the, to have the reserve currency. You know, the UK wouldn't mind having it. They had it back in the day. You I was know, about they to say, the they, yeah, everything was weighted right. in the pound. Yeah, they had the pound sterling. EU would love that. You know, so, so make no mistake about it. Nations around the world would love to have the reserve currency. The, the, the problems that they have is their currency isn't as trusted as ours, nor do they have as robust of a bond market as we do. And we have a real thriving economy. Um, but but that that con- our economy could be really shaky should we continue to to think that we're the almighty and, and we don't have to negotiate with people and, and we can start having these willy-nilly conversations about whether we're going to honor the full faith um, uh, of our debt because that is shaking the confidence of people willing to hold our debt around the nation. And at the end of the day, what you and I really talked about, the people who, who would pay the price should we continue to play this game is going to be the, the you know, the, the underserved communities in America. Right. And you, you talk about the arrogance of, of the U.S., you know, dollars policies, currency policies and military policies. We're not talking about the military policies. How does that play into the psychology of other nations and how they perceive wanting to continue to do business with the U.S. as a as the dominant uh, financial force in the world. So I, I believe if you look at nations around the world, everybody is, is, you know, wants to do business with the U.S. That that's not a question. Right. What they do, what they don't want is they don't want to have their ability to do business with other nations around the world. And if if you are doing business in dollars and I now freeze your ability to operate with those dollars, you no longer have the ability to do business with the U.S., but you can't do business with any other country either because you can't transact in dollars. But if I create a system that allows you to um, operate in your own currency with with no boss, no currency that's controlled by any nation, then everybody is on an equal playing field, and I think that's where all the I think that's where the world is going. There are a lot of discussions uh, around that. I'm going to play this second clip uh, and, um, and 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 ask you for your thoughts on this. Here we go. But what stable coins are really about is just payment instruments, right? The idea is that stable coins are a faster and essentially free internet-based way of holding and remitting money to people. And in the developing world, where it really matters how quickly inflation erodes your savings, matters a lot more than it does in the U.S., there's a demand for these products. That's a way for us to make the dollar relevant again at a time when governments around the world are looking to decouple from the dollar. That's really a pretty important policy issue. It's not about crypto. It's about the role the United States plays in the financial system. So 
given that, where do you think that people? And again, we're not we're not uh, giving financial advice. We're just talking about the current system and how people can you know react to it. And given, like I said, what the political climate is here, especially around crypto and and digital currencies slash yeah, devices, yeah. Uh, what can what what do you think that people will start to move to, especially in light that the the fact that really within a few days we could have a currency crisis. I mean, I don't want to be hyperbolic about it, but we could. In a few days or in the coming weeks, especially given how this BRICS uh, conference uh, plays out. So what are your thoughts about how stablecoin can be utilized or what other instruments people can use to protect their their financial health? Absolutely, brother. So the thing that bothers me is I see a lot of nations um, around the world. And, and I'm talking people in underserved communities. You know, I, I have family that live in Africa and I talk to them and, and, and other and, um, people as well. And they talk about currency all the time because uh, in a lot of those nations, they're on a currency that is not of their own country. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, when you look at us and we're, we're now talking about stable coins or we're now talking about CBDC, central bank digital currencies, and if, if you Google it, you will see a lot of the major nations, Nigeria, the UK, Australia, Brazil, they're all creating CBDCs. They're all working towards creating the CBDC. Um, and we're talking about a, a, a potential stable coin here in the US. But here's the thing I want to clarify, and that's why I said we will come back to it. CBDCs and stable coins both are programmable. And when we get into programmable monies, um, you're talking about for example, a, a stable coin, the one that in question that they're talking about right now is the USDC stable coin, which is one of the larger ones in the world. The, the largest in the world is Tether. Both of these coins can be programmed so that you can it, you could tell it, hey, I will only want you to shop in these stores or you can only shop between these hours and things of that nature. So I can see where the politicians would be concerned about having a private company own the ability to program a currency that would control a people, right? I can see that concern. Um, but, you know, with, with that in mind is you also need to increase the velocity of money. And the fact that we, the world, not just the U.S., the world is moving to a digital world. Um, how do we, the U.S., in the, now compete in that world and do it safe by still maintaining people's privacy? And I think that's what the argument is going to, is really coming down to in Congress is, I can't say the, just the Democrats, but a lot of your elected officials are really worried about how do you maintain the privacy of people using a digital currency. Well, we're going to pick it up from there uh, next week. Such a great uh, topic. And certainly go to our website, Currency Truth, where you can uh, see a whole lot of resources in and around these topics. You can see uh, this episode and other episodes. So please check us out uh, at thecurrencyoftruth.com and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you very much and we'll see you next week.